Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Election Day. This is Restoring the Faith. Mike here. And I've got a very special guest here in the studio that I want to bring to you so that she can tell her story. Um, but before I can do that, I need to give you the overview of uh, the, the incredible story that we're talking about in the heart of America. We're not talking about something that happened in New York or Los Angeles. This happened in Kansas City, Missouri. A mother of 11 children was arrested at a Catholic parish by the priest. The priest called the police and had her arrested in the nave of the church in front of her children and taken to jail. Why? What was her crime? Well, she wasn't wearing a mask. The mask covidians are out to get us, and this brave soul in Kansas City, Missouri, is here in the studio to tell her story, and we are so honored that that would happen. We have to have a little bit of background, though. Can we have some background, some context? Here's context for what's happening around the world. The world is in chaos and people are rising up against the Covidians, against the Fauchists. Here's, here's an amalgamation from Europe. That's just what's happening around the world. And here in the United States, we are entirely complicit. We are entirely complicit. Now, I am live streaming this interview, and I'm going to bring in Jane Doe here in a minute. But what I need to do is show you exactly what the diocese has said and what the police department has said. I've been in touch with both, and you're not going to believe what you see. Okay, so the first is this email here that I received from Kansas City Police Department. As you can see, they are disavowing their involvement in this case. They are saying that they are the ones who are just responding to what the priest said. You can see it there circled in red. 
The only reason they responded is not because the police department in Kansas City exists to enforce Mayor Quentin Lucas's illegal mask mandate. They say it in black and white. Our job is not to enforce the mask mandate. Our job is law and order. The only reason why we came is because Father, Father Gary, we'll get to him in a minute, Father called us and we had to respond. That's why they came. They didn't come because Jane Doe wasn't wearing a mask. They're not here to police our masking because they know that this order is illegal and they're distancing themselves from it. They came because Father Gary called the police and had Jane Doe removed. We're going to get to her in a second, but I want to read you the response that I actually got to that email from the diocese. Here it is. You can see Bishop Johnston here, James V. Johnston, Bishop of Kansas City, Missouri, His office, his communications director, sent me this email, and it says, quote, The diocese has no objection to charges being dismissed against the disruptive attendee, but that decision would need to be made by the arresting officer. Can we just, can we reread that? Can we reread that for a second? The diocese has no objection to charges being dismissed. That's that's a strong statement. That's bold leadership right there, ladies and gentlemen. Bold leadership. You know, if I don't object to dropping the charges, I don't object to keeping the charges one way or the other. That's that's Charlie Brown wish wash BS. That's what that is, James Johnston. That's what that is. Now, I do need to clarify one thing. Bishop Johnson did not send me this email. His communications director did. Isn't that how these guys operate? Remember Bishop Callahan up in Wisconsin and Father Altman with the unsigned letter, and it came from the communications guy, and it's really unclear if the silencing of Father Altman came from Bishop Callahan or not. So when you surround yourself with layers and layers of bureaucracy, you've always got a fall guy ready. And my sense is, is that this communications person who wrote this email is the fall person. And now Bishop Johnson can distance himself from these comments. I'm sure that's exactly what's going to happen. And in case you're wondering, hey, Mike at Restoring the Faith, I've seen this guy's face before, Bishop Johnson, His Excellency. Why have you shown me his face before? Well, here's a letter that he did sign in ink with his hand. In this letter, he's referring to our so-called brothers, our Muslim brothers, who this very week decapitated two people in Nice, France, And today, Election Day in the United States, they blew up uh, some people and killed some people in Austria, Vienna. So the Muslims are attacking Catholics around the world. They are decapitating them in their churches in Christendom, in Europe. And although I didn't get this email specifically from Bishop Johnson, from His Excellency, I got it from one of his minions, his hand in ink signed this letter. So this is the same man who has this ecumenical council that's gone wild. I showed you this picture. I don't even know what religion they're advertising here. It's difficult to say. Which religion is being advertised in Kansas City, Missouri, by the interreligious ecumenical council gone wild? I brought you this video back in the summertime during the lockdowns when the ecumenical council in Kansas City, Missouri, was recommending that people go to non-Catholic services. Go to a synagogue, check it out, go to a mosque, see what's going on. Here they are on the screen. You can see that one of these interreligious, gone wild modernists is having an interview with a guy who wrote a book about Muhammad. Why do we care about that? Why do we care about that? So yes, that's the same bishop that we have been talking about. Now, I did a video in support of Bishop Johnston. 
I supported him and I said that a boy when he took fire from the Associated Press for being pro-life. You can find that video on this very live stream playlist. So I wanted to clarify. I wanted to see, is this actually true? Is it up to the arresting officers as to whether or not Jane Doe goes to jail? Is it up to the arresting officers whether or not the charges get retained or dropped? So I asked. And here's what the KCPD said. It is not up to us. It is up to the diocese. There it is. It's up to the church in black and white. Their email to me. Can't be more clear than that, can you? Anyway, I want to welcome you, Jane Doe. Thank you so much for joining me here in studio um, to tell your story. This is a really shocking story. You were drugged out of a church in broad daylight in front of God and country, in front of 60 people who did nothing. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, we had left um, a, di- a diner together, all my family. Mm-hmm. So I arrived first with my children. It was an hour before services, and um, we just saw the man. The boys saw the man at the keys, and, you know, like they're used to being around churches. They're like, hey, he has the keys. We're just going to go in. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. So uh, they kind of beat me in, Mm -hmm. and um, when I arrived, he, the boys were kind of coming back out, and I said, what's wrong? And they said, well, he says we have to have a mask. And I said, oh, okay. So I walked through, and he was yelling at me. He, he was not nice. He yelled, you need a mask. And at this point, of course, there was no one in the church. Mm-hmm. And this was the priest? No. This was another this, man, a layman. This was the key holder. Okay. And he was yelling it through his mask. And I said, we are not masking. We are coming in. And I walked past him. He claims that I pushed him. He's a, he was a big guy, and uh-huh. I yeah. did not touch him. No, that's what manly men do is they claim that, that um, I don't know, women push him. I did not push him. I might have walked past him because I did not like what he was saying to me. Mm-hmm. And he, then he continued to say things that were not nice about me in front of my children mm-hmm. and what kind of a mother I am and that kind of thing. So we walked up to the, the pew, got in the pew, and prayed the rosary. Mm-hmm. Prayed a rosary. And we prayed the Divine Mercy Chapel at 6 p.m. on Halloween. Right. And this was a Vesper, vesper service? The, ves- the Vesper ser- service started at 7. Okay. So it was just him and the sacristan. The sacristan was then moved up to the altar, and she was doing things on the altar mm-hmm. uh, without a mask. And uh, we... She. She. Mm-hmm. And uh, we finished... Uh, we were almost done with the Divine Mercy Chaplet, and uh, he came out of the left side of the sac- the altar and uh, was in his white garment with uh, his mic and came up to me without a mask. And I really had to ask the boys what he said because I don't remember. <laughs> so um, they said, he just said, where's your mask? And I said, I don't have a I don't have a mask or we're not wearing a mask. I can't mm-hmm. remember what he said. And mm-hmm. then he said, "Well, you either have to get a mask on or leave." And I said, "Well, I guess you're going to have to call the police because I'm not leaving." And this was the priest. This was the priest, and we were in the like the fourth pew from the front. 
Were you were you sitting next to anybody, or were you social distancing with other families? Well, like I said, we came into an empty church. It was just my family on Halloween, and so I did see one person come in later. I mm-hmm. don't remember what mystery of the rosary she came in, but she sat up in the front pew. So she was then two or three pews in front. Mm-hmm. Me. And uh, the boys said that she was praying the rosary with us. I don't know whether she was or not. Uh, I couldn't, I wasn't paying attention. Okay. So. So he, so he, come, the, the priest, Father Gary, and we'll, we'll pull up his, we'll pull up his image here so everyone can see who we're talking about. This is Father Gary. And in case you're having a hard time finding out who Father Gary is in this picture, because of course, priests, when they go out and post pictures of themselves on the internet for having their carb day, um, they just wear lay clothes, um, in, in, and so he, he would be the one on the right and, uh, wearing the suit. And there he is, uh, hanging out with, uh, some, uh, some NASCAR drivers. So he's really excited about that. So this is father Gary who came up to you in his clerics and said, if you do not leave the, if you don't wear a mask, uh, then you have to, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's either my way or the highway you're out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And and you of course communicated to him that you're not going to wear a mask, right? And we really we didn't know before we got into the church that anything like that would happen. We we've only been really and I've made a point of only like protecting my children from that. So mm-hmm. um, even if we're out about like I won't let them go into the store if they're going to ask anything like that. Mm-hmm. I'll go in without one and. Uh, Nobody's asked me to mask for six weeks in, the, in any store in Kent City. I'm getting a little bit of feedback there. I, I'm going to have to adjust your mic okay. and make sure that you're speaking into it. These are directional mics. This is a little awkward here. Sorry. Okay. Let's see if that's better. Okay. Is um, that better? It, it should be. So my question, I have, I've got a boatload of questions here, and I think the audience has questions too, and we will be taking your questions so I've got um, a couple moderators who are going to call those questions out uh, for those who are watching live right now, and there are hundreds of you watching right now. For Jane Doe here in Kansas City, um, this is not your primary parish, right? So you had no. I come once a year at Vespers on Halloween. Okay, to this particular parish, to or this particular. Well, there is. I mean, if I'd known of any throughout the years, we always see if there is a service and. Mm-hmm. Uh, there used to be masses in Kansas on uh, at five thirty mass and churches in Kansas that we could go to first and then go eat. So we've just been, you know, we just have to go with the flow, whatever's available yeah. for prayer on that night. Yeah. And so we actually looked at another church and we thought we were going to a different church and they called me and said, "No, mom, there's no prayer service there." Mm-hmm. I said, "Okay, then we'll just go to our regular redemptorist." They, I mean, sometimes I know priests there. Because uh, it's a small world in the Catholic uh, devoted community, mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah, we just went there because literally we thought it was where the only place we could go. And this is a family tradition of yours to um, to to pray for um, to, to 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 keep the fast and and the prayers that are traditionally associated with All Hallows Eve and. As we kind of go into this this triduum of the dead, you know, the, you got all saints and then all souls the following day. So this is a family tradition of you with your eleven children. Yes, we started it. Oh gosh, 
I don't know, 18 years ago. It was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. My my oldest, um, you know, my two oldest maybe, uh, we had to like say, we're not going to do the trick-or-treating anymore. So, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we just made an about turn and nobody looked back. Everybody mm-hmm. loves the faith and they, they really love the Catholic faith and embrace everything about our Catholic tradition. So, so you found the only church that you could find in Kansas City that on All Hallows Eve was going to be open so that you and your family could go in, pray to all the saints, pray for the dead, and uh, and keep your family tradition. So you didn't, you didn't, in other words, go out of your way to find, you know, the most liberal parish possible and, and just kind of barnstorm them. I mean, this wasn't... No, I had, no, I really didn't even think about that because we never had any trouble before. And of course, it's I was stupid to think that <laughs> I guess I forgot about COVID-19 or something mm-hmm. because we were just thinking we'd do the same thing we did last year. And because you've been, uh, you were telling me before we started this that you haven't had to wear a mask anywhere in Kansas City. You've been living your life. You've been running your errands. You've been shopping. You've been providing for your children. I want to get into your children. A couple of them are special needs, and I, I think that's important that the audience knows what kind of person and what kind of mother you are. So it, it's not like it, it crossed your mind that I'm going to deliberately attack this liberal parish that's no. masking. You're, no. just, you're just living your, your daily life the way you normally do, and, and that's that. Right. We, we didn't look up. Well, I don't know what we would look up other than the time of their Vespers. So we, we probably looked up the time of the Vespers, and when we got there, we're like, oh, my gosh, we've, we've got an hour. Mm-hmm. But we're just going to go in and pray. So that's what we were going to do. Okay. Okay. So you had arrived early, and you said, "Well, uh, better better early than late." Well, we thought we were going to another church. So okay. I looked on it thinking it was All Hallows Eve, but it was really a Friday prayer service. Okay. So I just didn't look at their bulletin right. I'm like, "Oh, there's nothing there either." So I guess we will just go to this, mm-hmm. and we've done it before. So mm-hmm. uh, it was didn't even cross my mind that I would have any qualms with anybody. Now, by the by, the time that the police arrived to the Redemptorist Parish in Kansas City, how many people would you say were in the church at that time? At that time, okay. Well, I had not literally had not turned around since I started praying. So I don't know what time we started praying, but we whatever time he opened the church, I was praying. Of course, my little children was with me and. Uh, they might have seen people coming in, uh, but they weren't telling me they did. We saw the person in front of us. So I really literally didn't know there were 60 people in there. Mm-hmm. So when he, when I said, you'll have to call the police, I really went and then within a few minutes we heard a siren, so my boys got very scared <laughs> and left the church. <laughs> they did, And I, I didn't even know they left the church because I was... I, I don't know. I was just praying, saying I'm not supposed to leave. I don't know what happened, but it was very so calm and serene, and Mary was by me, and the only other pers- person that would have been on the other side was I was on the end, so it would have been my son in the wheelchair, but all of a sudden, nobody was by me. <laughs> so not that that was good or bad. I did so not care. But but your, your twin, you're talking about the twin boys? The twins and another, and, and uh, and, and another their one. brother, uh-huh. and then Anthony Michael. Okay. There. So they so they heard you tell 
Father Gary, you're going to have to call the police. I'm just here to pray. And then shortly thereafter that, there were sirens. So the boys are thinking to themselves, oh, my gosh, he this did. This is it. He They're did coming for my mom. Yeah. So they left. <laughs> they left. I did not know they left, though. I don't know what, like, I was talking to somebody about how I mm-hmm. can't remember that. And they're like, that is because of the stress. Like, yeah. you're un- in undue stress, and you're just coping with what you have to. But I, d- I did not mind if they left. I, I'm not, they did the right thing. They were just protecting mm-hmm. whoever they thought they needed to protect. So the police came into the nave of the church to your pew. They came all the way up to my pew. I did not see them come up. They were just at my pew. And were they escorted by the priest or anything? I mean, no. how, did, how did they? I can't remember where the priest was. And was... I think he was still there, but I don't remember. I he stood there and dialed the police. And then a few minutes later, we heard the siren. My children say who were outside. Of course, they arrived later after I was outside in handcuffs. So they said, "Oh, that wasn't for you." But it felt like it was for me too. I'm like, I do not believe this is happening. So they so, actually they cuffed you. They did. They cuffed me in my pew. They cuffed you in your pew in front mm-hmm. of sixty people in front of your children. Now you had uh, your you have a you have a thirteen year old daughter who was with you, and she stayed right by me the whole time. She stayed with you, <laughs> and um, can you de- can you describe? Uh, a couple of people have already asked about. Your your retelling of the story with the rosary and your daughter. Oh well, I I found I really you know it all happens very fast and I found out you know when I got home after I was released uh, in the early morning hours I found out that she had said that <laughs> my rosary. She has said so. Uh, your autistic daughter, who we know that autistic people focus on hyper focused on details that sometimes we miss. And your daughter had said, why did they throw your rosary on the ground, Mom? Right. So they, they she was telling the other children that, I guess, because I wasn't home, obviously. I was in jail. Mm-hmm. And so when I got home, they said, Mary said, you know, and I'm like, well, Mary? They, they didn't really, I don't think they threw my rosary on the floor. I don't know what happened. Mm-hmm. But they had to hand, they had to handcuff me, so... My rosary was in my hands, and mm-hmm. it probably just fell to the floor. It looked like she was grabbing my rosary, and it threw to the, but, but, you know, there was just this movement that all happened. And Mary picked it up and put it in my purse and brought my purse to the back of the church. Mm-hmm. Your children uh, all witnessed you being handcuffed and removed from the church. Yes, Mike, you're making me cry too I'm not, much. I'm, not, you I'm sorry. It? I'm just. <laughs> I, I want to drive the point home. At 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 what point did you think to yourself, you know, I I could just leave, or never? And you know what? Never. I I was, you know, there was a possibility that we were going to pray the Rosary and Divine Mercy and go home and milk the cow. Okay, mm-hmm. but when he said that to me, I'm like, I'm here. I'm done. And I'm sitting here, never. Yeah, I I'm not, I am not about making my children suffer. I'm that that is not the point. It was just like, mm-hmm. what? We do uh, what? I just totally, I just like, do it. 
that's what I live for. Do it. Is this your first time in jail? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> By the way, I did not know the answer to that question before I asked, but I assumed that I did the I, answer. I've been harassed by police before, but yeah. no, it's my first time in jail. Yeah. <laughs> my police, my children, and, and the effect of policemen with a large family is, Mom, there's a cop. You know, yeah. it's like, so we have this, you know, like, cop game. Uh-huh. Like, Buckle up, sit yeah, up. Yeah, make sure. Know? Well, because if you're not in the car seat or whatever, <laughs> it's it can just be. Like, with a large family, you know, you just. Mm-hmm. And we, we are, my insurance man gave me uh, actually an, uh, a statute that says that nobody has to be buckled because I'm in a, uh, a vehicle that's a bus. So okay. I can give it to them if they harass me about seating anymore. Well, that's handy. Can I get one of those? Yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. State Farm insurance. State Farm. Okay. All right. All right. Farm Springs, Kansas. I may have to switch from USAA. I don't know. All right. So I saw, I've only seen one picture of this event and it was of you standing outside, you're handcuffed and the priest is standing outside and then there's a Kansas City police officer there. What's happening in that picture? Well, you can't see the other police officer who's got me by the arm because she's handcuffed me. Okay. So she's kind of behind, like on my side there. And the other one is um, helping father um, get through his emotional trauma. Yeah, like right, of, right of, up why he's arresting me, charging me. Right. So, <laughs> so then they explain why they're charging me, which is trespassing. And I'm like, yeah. Very confusing because it's like my church. So. So here he, here he, here he is, uh, the man who, who had uh, Jane Doe arrested, Father Gary. Um, again, I, I couldn't find a picture of him uh, where he's dressed like a priest on his Twitter account. Um, but uh, here he is. He's the one who... Uh, you, <laughs> you don't want me to show the picture. That's fine. Okay, quit That's it, fine. Mike. Um, but, but he, he was helped through his emotional trauma by the Kansas city police officers. So that's good. I hope he's feeling better about himself after having, um, can you tell us a little bit, Jane Doe again, I, this priest doesn't know you no. from Adam. Mm-mm. So I'll, we'll, we'll at least give, we'll at least establish that fact and, and give him the benefit of the doubt on that. But out of your 11 children, you've adopted how many? I've adopted six children. Yeah. And um, the the kind of home that you run, can you just describe it a little bit to us, the environment that they are able to grow up in because of you? Well, we homeschool. Mm-hmm. I've homeschooled uh, since my oldest was uh, nine years old. He's now 31. Mm-hmm. Um, we go to daily mass and we study our our schoolwork and study our faith and we've learned um, to uh, you know we say our Christian prayer book we, we, we can we chant it we can chant the daily Christian prayer and four different tunes actually mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. so <laughs> we enjoy our faith and mm-hmm. uh, love it and um, we really couldn't make it without it like that is yeah. my saving grace too so yeah 
how many times have you been in a parish where somebody wanders in who clearly shouldn't be there? You know, if, if you're in downtown Kansas City or if you're in some other part of town where you've got maybe someone who's homeless or someone who just clearly doesn't belong. Has that ever happened to you? Oh, yeah. Has has the police responded to those situations in, in your experience? No, but I do remember fearing for my life, even in Shawnee, Kansas. I remember a man coming in with a backpack that mm-hmm. is not normally there for daily mass and going, okay, this is it. This is when we're going to all go down. You know, he's right. probably carrying a <laughs> whatever in his backpack. And that was back when there were, and there still are, there began to be shootings around the world. So, you know, I did fear for my children's lives wherever mm-hmm. we were. And this is little old Shawnee, Kansas, you know. And in, in the local police departments or the, or the city-level police departments, how many times did they make you feel safe at church in those situations? I remember uh, being at a church in Missouri where they called the police at least um, two times, but it was always because of health. Mm-hmm. Like somebody was fainting or yeah. somebody was having a heart attack. Right. But no, nothing else. So I see that's and the reason why I'm asking, of course, I, I think all of you get this, is how can it be a standard procedure? How can it be acceptable that you call the police on someone that you don't even know merely for the transgression of not complying with masking? I was baffled. Why can you explain to the audience who might have an objection and just say, oh, come on, mask is the hill you're going to die on? Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are people out there who are thinking that. What, mm-hmm. are your, what is your thought process about the masks? Mm-hmm. Why, why are they so, so despicable? Okay, well, I initially, when the um, lockdown happened and things were required, uh, this was not, I don't remember sharing this with anybody, but, you know, when, you know, there is just things that you know that it compels you to know you're not supposed to do it. And, you mm-hmm. know, you, you look toward God and you ask him and you just, you, you almost physically can't do it. Like if I was made to do that, I would mm-hmm. probably like faint or throw up. I'm not sure which would happen. Mm-hmm. But I really physically know I couldn't mask in church. And then I found out later, I did some research, and people were telling me how offensive it was and that, it, you know, some of it had to do with, um, you know, even Mike, you mentioned the holy face of Jesus and the adoration of that. That was just recently. But before that, friends of mine who were offended too had looked it up and said, oh, that's totally like a demonic black mass thing. Like, you know, to cover your face is what you do. Mm-hmm. And so I, just in my head, I said, well, that must be why it's so offensive. But mm-hmm. I didn't, uh, you know, I'm just at home. I don't, I don't like, I, I don't know. I just have to go with my gut. And that's what I did. So you're, you're relying on what I guess we can describe as just a mother's intuition, a holy intuition. Yeah. Yeah. And I did lean on some interviews I saw with priests that were encouraging not to mask, and that gave me hope. Mm-hmm. I not very many of them, but I think only one actually. 
Well, and it seems like uh, even those those priests who stand up and say that masking is an affront to the for objective reality to the common good. It's an affront to your health. It prevents you from breathing fresh air. It makes you complicit in the lie. Um, mm-hmm. Those priests are not allowed to talk on YouTube anymore. Right. No, everything's totally blocked. What have the reactions been within your circles of people, your siblings, your my friends? S- okay, your... My, my siblings don't know. Okay. They would be the people who would say she deserved it. Oh, they. Oh, so they're Fauchists. <laughs> I don't like to call people names. Well, my children know I do like to call people names, but <laughs> I'm not supposed to. And my kids, no. <laughs> so... We cope, but no, they have mm-hmm. no idea what's going on. So uh, who knows? Let me see. My church community knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, I think I emailed 30 people that know. Mm-hmm. Is, is it embarrassing? I, you know. Never. I'm not embarrassed. In fact, I got home and chastised everybody for not getting it out because, you know, they're just kids. They think it is... You know, the, the, the policemen tried to uh, twist their minds into thinking that I was doing something wrong. I'm sorry, your mom, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, we're not sorry. You know, and the one said, be quiet. To, you know? the, the police officer was chastising your children? Yes, because all night long. Because it was pathetic. They said that you're a terrible mother because mm-hmm. you're not going to mask your children? No, I don't want it. You, you, your mother's put us in a terrible situation, just on and on. It was what is it, is this some is this some kind of like uh, re-education camp that your kids had to go through? How long did this go on? It, I, they say two hours. I just can't believe it. But anyway, it seemed like twenty minutes to me. But I think it was eight when I was put in the paddy wagon. So you were put in the paddy wagon, handcuffed, and you were uh, brought to jail with violent criminals. Well, none of well, what, who I saw were. More persecuted people like me, <laughs> but yes, they were, yeah, they were in cells just like me. We were all lunatics. <laughs> and they actually did. They actually made. They took away your civilian clothes. They made you change into the prison yeah, garb. When I told them they should social distance the two that they sat together, I said, "That's why I'm here. I like you're social distancing, aren't you? Because that's why I'm arrested." And then they said, "Oh, she doesn't need a. She doesn't need to get her picture taken." And I went, oh, look, they're being nice. I'm not going to have to get a mugshot. But then I found out when I was released that they were actually lying to my husband and saying they kept me in, and he was told three times that I didn't comply to fingerprinting. I didn't even get fingerprinted until a half an hour before I was released. So I, I do not get it, but they hated me before I got there. Mm-hmm. That was sad. So you pointed out the inconsistency of the fact that the Kansas City Police Department was putting people like sardines into cells, and the reason why you were there ostensibly is because you didn't comply with COVID requirements, including social distancing, which they were not adhering to. Yeah. Well, and I also heard that in the beginning, uh, whether nationwide or whatever, that they were concerned about that because they had released um, mm-hmm. convicts who were out and shouldn't have been out. So I was surprised to see them do that. 
So that brings up a good point. Mayor Quinton Lucas has taken a lot of heat because ultimately this is his illegal and unconstitutional set of COVID orders. That really? he has, that he has no power. That. He has no power of, of, of forcing the masking. The police department, as I, as I showed here in this email, says that it's not their job to comply with the social distancing with Right. Uh, it's not their job to enforce the mask mandate. That's what the health department does. Mm-hmm. Mayor Quinton Lucas in Kansas City has released violent people in order to make room for people like you. I mean, what what is your message? <laughs> like, I didn't know that. I thought it was like somewhere way off in Sacramento or something. I don't know. I, I had no idea. My son does, though. My older son keeps track of him and lives in Missouri and says, you, if you know anybody who wants to sign the petition against him, let me know. Mm-hmm. He knows about the petition that's going around that they're trying to get him yeah. unseated. Now, we, we're talking on election day. A lot of people who would be tuning in live right now are probably standing in abnormally long lines to make sure that their vote gets counted or at least that they hope that their vote gets counted. Mm-hmm. Um, the people that they vote for at the county level, at the city level, mm-hmm. how important is that, given your situation? Yeah, we need to all keep better tabs on them. That's that's my my take from this. I feel like I haven't been doing my duty because, uh, yeah, we Chesterton has asked us to do that. Um, they we need to know who are. That's where it starts, mm-hmm. and so we we do need to know that. We need to know everybody on our boards and in our cities and who are running. And mm-hmm. If you uh, had an opportunity to address the chancery, His Excellency Bishop Johnston, the Bishop of Kansas City, any of the wicked people that surround him that do these despicable and heinous anti-Catholic things, mm-hmm. uh, like encourage Catholics to go to synagogues, um, what would you say to them if if they were in the room right now? What would I say to the people at the chancery? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I would say that, first of all, anyone who has the right to write this, it has to be done. Like, And it, is it going to be done? No, I don't think it's going to be done until people say, stop it. I want my holy water back. Mm-hmm. I want my confessional. I want my singing. I want my church back. This is my church, my universal church. Stop it. This is our church, guys. We have to do something. We can't wait. Now is the time. We cannot wait until the second lockdown. Mm-hmm. No, that's going to be too late. Oh, the second lockdown, I will get handcuffed. I will do it then. Right. I'm like, no, now. Like, why have I waited so long? I don't know. because You know what? Because I was running and hiding. I'm just as guilty. Mm-hmm. I told my family that. I'm running and hiding. I'm going to, but in, in all honesty, women, mothers, think you're protecting them by keeping them close to what is normal, to what looks holy, so they can receive on the tongue, so they can receive on their knees, so they can 
so so they can participate in a normal mass. Mm-hmm. So I thought I was doing them good doing that, but in the end, you're disconnected from probably most of the the Catholic population, because let's face it, most of the Catholic population is not able to not mask. Most of them are having to mask. You are lucky if you are in a parish that you can dip your hand in holy water, Mm -hmm. walk down to your pew, sign yourself, walk down to your pew, and when the time comes for communion, walk up to our altar, kneel, receive him, and come back to your pew. And I protected my, my children too much, I think, because we have to... We have to stay in the fight. We are church militant. and So you're not deterred at all by this at all, it sounds like. No, it really, no. I mean, it, it disheartens me. It hurts me. It, hurt, it, it hurts my family. It, it almost divides my family. Mm-hmm. The devil wants our families disintegrated, so he will use whatever means he can. And he is using this means. I should give in. I should just have peace. I should just go over to this church that provides everything we need. This is where we can be. I'm like, well, that's not what we should be doing. I, I do not. I I would not disconnect from everything, but um, there's got to be a rise. There's got to mm-hmm. be a rise in us. I I know my battles and. And early on, it wasn't my battle because I was alone. And I, I still am alone, I think. But <laughs> that night, I was just by myself. And so that's ridiculous that you're asking me to mask. So no, I'm not masking in this monstrosity of a cathedral the size of a football field with just me and my children praying the rosary. That's ridiculous. Yeah. You've already, I, I think, inspired so many people just by what you've said and I to me the thing that strikes such a loud chord is this notion that we all know that the second lockdown is coming. Okay. If you wait until the second lockdown to stand up, it's already too late. What else would you in terms of telling the audience, telling uh, our fellow travelers on this Catholic road of ours what would you tell them to do today, now, right now? Well, I guess I don't regret what I did. I would definitely do it again. I encourage all of us to, you know, we, we are we are legion. You know, we we are many. We are universal, and. Um, if you can't find enough people to go with God and do and get our church back to get our sacraments, our sacramentals in the right place and sing and do what we are called to do as Christians, then uh, we, we failed God is, is what I think. That's powerful stuff. Jane Doe joining us. 
uh, in studio live, arrested for not wearing a mask in Kansas City, Missouri. So far, you've seen the responses from the Kansas City Police Department saying it's up to the church. You've seen the responses from the church saying it's up to the cops. Now, um, I don't think I'm going to surprise any of you by saying that I, I trust the PD more than I trust the Chancery. If it, it, and that's just a blind thing. It doesn't. It doesn't have to be Kansas City. It doesn't have to be any other city. If I know nothing other than the fact that there's a police department telling me one thing and there is a bishop telling me something else, I think you all know which party is inherently more credible in this age of McCarrick, in this age of perversion amongst so many of them. So I would hope, Bishop Johnston, if you're watching this, and the little minions that surround you, I know you are watching this right now, I would hope that you would do the right thing and make sure that these charges are dropped because it is on you. It's on you, Bishop Johnston, that a Catholic woman is arrested in a Catholic church because you want to enforce Stalinist, Hitler-esque, unconstitutional principles. It's on you. And if you don't do the right thing, then shame on you. And there will be retribution. I'm, I'm sure of it. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not making a threat. I just know what's going to happen. So I want to thank you so much, Jane Doe, for coming in to the studio. I know that this was a tough thing for you to do. I know that you probably should not have done it. <laughs> But you are a fighter, and you're an inspiration to all of us. Mm. So thank you very much. Thank you, Mike. Thank you for coming to my aid. Appreciate it. There is no one. You're a hero. Uh, (laughs) I think I think I think you would all agree. She's the hero. She's the hero here. Um, I do have links in the uh, show notes. So if you could check out the links, there's a link to, there's an email address for His Excellency Bishop Johnston if you want to write him a letter. Uh, There's a link to the parish where this happened. A lot of you are asking me, what's the name of this priest? What's his last name? What's the parish? It's all in there. I didn't feel the need to talk about it on the camera and all this stuff. You guys can can follow it. You You can check in with this story. I want to follow this story. This one hits close to home for me. It's close to uh, the heart of America where I am. And uh, it's despicable that all of this is happening. So I'd ask all of you, number one, for prayers. Prayers for Jane Doe and her family. that They can be healed uh, and that these charges are dropped and that we can all move on. And if that doesn't happen, then prayers of courage and fortitude, because that's what we're going to need. And especially the men, we need you to stand up, men. We need you to stand up. Thanks for watching so much. God bless you.